0: Hello and welcome to edition number 1995 of the Whitney Talking News, which we're recording as usual in the High Street Methodist Church in Whitney on Thursday the 25th of January. My name is Byron Russell and I edited this edition. Our readers today are Bridget Walton, Jenny Wiley, Mick Walsh and Alan Revel. Our technical maestro today is Peter Brading, whose skills will make this recording and its online edition possible. This week, we have news items from the Whitney Gazette and the Oxford Times, for which we're very grateful. In the second part of this edition, we'll hear about bears in Oxfordshire and how to walk like a penguin. If you're intrigued, stay with us to find out more. But first of all, to the news. People had a lucky escape in Whitney this week when high winds brought a shop wall down. Bridget, do tell us about it
1: lucky no one hurt as wall of shop collapses in storm fire crews said it was lucky no one was hurt when a section of wall fell from the side of a former coffee shop in high winds firefighters and police worked through the night after part of a wall collapsed at a former costa coffee branch in welsh way as the town was battered by gale force winds from stormicia on sunday night the Met Office issued a yellow wind warning for the southeast and warned that high winds could cause transport delays, power cuts, and damage to properties. Oxfordshire Fire and Rescue Service posted pictures of bricks and rubble which landed in the street in the centre of Whitney. People took to social media in the middle of the night to share pictures from the scene. One posted, might want to advise people to avoid Welsh Way. The side of the old costa has blown off in the wind. One Whitney spotted, Poster said. Good job it wasn't at a busier time of day. Another said, wow, good job no one was under there. Whitney councillor David Edward Hughes thanked fire crews for all that you're doing in these awful conditions. Police took over the scene in the early hours of Monday while the area remained cordoned off throughout the day to prevent injury should there be a further collapse. Temporary traffic lights were set up and Welsh Way was partially closed and shoppers were asked to stay away as structural investigations got underway. Thames Valley Police said, Welsh Way remains closed while structural engineers look to make the area safe. There are no injuries and the closure is as a precaution, in case further debris falls from the building. We are managing the road closure, which will remain in place until the building has been made safe. Oxfordshire Fire and Rescue Service added, traffic light management is in place to control a partial closure of Welsh Way. A surveyor will be attending to carry out an assessment of the rest of the property and to clear debris. This remains a Thames Valley police incident. For any queries, please contact TVP quoting URN two zero zero one dash twenty one stroke zero one stroke twenty four. Thank you to the Whitney community for your understanding. Whitney Fire Station said the service did receive calls regarding fallen trees but no other property damage was reported.
0: Thanks, Bridget. Very lucky that nobody uh, was hurt, given, uh, given the time of day and the, and the high winds last week. So, next up, we have news about the Whitney Rector, who's just been appointed to one of the country's top church jobs. Over to you, Alan.
2: Yes, the headline is Whitney Rector to become Dean of Wells Cathedral. Um, We had a brief item about this last week, but it's a much fuller piece uh, now. Um, So the story reads, The King has approved the appointment of the Reverend Canon Toby Wright as the next Dean of Wells. He will join the Diocese of Bath and Wells from the Diocese of Oxford, where he is currently Team Rector of Whitney. He succeeds the very Reverend Dr John Davies. Mr Wright was educated at New College Oxford and trained for ministry at the College of the Resurrection, Murfield. He served his title at St Peter with St Mary Petersfield in the Diocese of Portsmouth and in 2002 he was ordained priest. He served in Peckham and Camberwell in London before taking up his current role in Whitney in 2013. He is also warden of the Sisters of the Community of St. Mary the Virgin in Wantage. He said, "There's never a right time to move on in ministry as it is always a heartfelt wrench. However, we do feel that now is a good time to make a leap into the unknown of the new ministries, and God's call feels strong. Sally and I, and Caspar and Felicity will always be grateful beyond words for the amazing times we have shared with you here and all you have taught us. I was asked by the Archbishop's appointments team to consider becoming the Dean of Wells, and it has felt so right during the long and challenging process of exploration. I'm very clear that I've only got this new job because of the ways I've been shaped and formed by living alongside you in this community of mercy and kindness, and through other wisdom I have gained within and beyond the diocese. Please know you will remain in our hearts and in our prayers, and I hope you will pray for us too in this time of flux and transition and beyond. The Right Reverend Michael Beasley, Bishop of Bath and Wells, said, ''The many gifts Toby brings will add wonderfully to all that is already happening through the contributions of so many different people.'' St. Mary's parish warden said they greeted the announcement with mixed emotions. We are delighted that Toby's many gifts and talents have been recognised and that both he and Sally will be able to develop their respective ministries because of this important appointment within the Church. However, we are extremely sad that the benefice will be losing both Toby and Sally and Casper and Felicity not least because of the immensely positive impact that they've all had on so many of us across the Benefice and within the town and villages. Mr Wright's installation as new Dean of Wells will be on Sunday, June 16th. He will bid farewell to Whitney on April 28th with a final Sunday service at St Mary's at 10.45am.
0: Thanks very much, Ellen, and uh, congratulations to Toby and Sally on their interesting and challenging new role. Now, Jenny has exciting news about the infamous theft of a golden toilet from Lenin Palace.
3: Trial set for men accused of 4.8 million gold toilet theft, and the toilet is indeed pictured here in the article. A trial date has been set for men accused of stealing a 4.8 million gold toilet from Blenheim Palace. Michael Jones, 38 of Clark's Row, Oxford, and James Sheen, 39 of Warren Crescent, Oxford, are accused of burgling the 18-carat art installation in an overnight raid in the early hours of September the 14th, 2019. Sheen Frederick Doe's, formerly Sines, 35, of North Street, Winfield, Windsor, and Bora Gucic, 39, of West London, are also charged with one count of conspiracy to transfer criminal property. The four appeared at Oxford Crown Court on Friday for a plea and trial preparation hearing. Sheen and Jones pleaded not guilty to one count of burglary between September the 1st, 2019 and September the 15th, 2019. The duo also pleaded not guilty to conspiracy to transfer criminal property between September the 1st and September the 30th, 2019, along with Doe, who also pleaded not guilty. Sheen pleaded not guilty to a third count of transporting criminal property on September the 27th from Birmingham. However... Gucic was not arraigned as there is an application to dismiss charges against him. A hearing will take place in front of a judge on March 28th this year. If the application is unsuccessful, Gucic will be arraigned on his own on a separate date. A trial date has now been set for the other three defendants and is due to take place at the same court on 24th of February next year. It was heard that the trial could take four to six weeks. The 4.8 million gold, sol- sorry, solid gold toilet was installed in September 2019. The 18-carat art installation was available for visitors to look at and sit on. It is the work of artist Maurizio Catalan and was plumbed in the palace near the room where Winston Churchill was born. As it was plumbed in at the time, its removal caused flooding and damage to the 18th century stately home and UNESCO World Heritage Site in Woodstock. The Italian's art installation, entitled America, attracted more than 100,000 people when shown at New York's Guggenheim Museum in 2016, with cleaners allegedly nipping in every 15 minutes to keep it pristine People could buy a £27 ticket to visit the toilet at Blenheim Palace before it was found missing. All the defendants are on unconditional bail and will next be due in the same court for a pre-trial review later this year. Sheen is currently remanded in custody on a separate matter.
0: Thanks very much for that, Jenny. I'm sure you could say that the police who cornered the criminals were flushed with their success. Um, Now... Uh, we, in the end, to end this first section, we have an item about a well-known local farmer, but this time it's not actually Jeremy Clarkson that the article is about. It's about his sidekick Caleb. Mick, tell us more.
4: Yeah, the headline is Clarkson's farms, Caleb raps to support farmers. The mind boggles. Farmer and TV personality Caleb Cooper is releasing a rap single to champion the cause of struggling farmers and support a farming charity. Mr Cooper, known to many from Amazon's Clarkson's Farm, is launching I Can't Stand Sheep to highlight the challenges faced by the farming community with all profits going to the Royal Agricultural Benevolent Institution, R-A-B-I. The rap humorously reflects Mr. Cooper's well-documented aversion to sheep. However, amongst the jokes, it carries an important message aimed at farmers who might feel under pressure or isolated. The charity R.A.B.I. operates a 24-7 helpline for farmers in need, the number for which is integrated into the rap lyrics. The aim is to increase awareness of R.A.B.I.'s services. The award-winning charity offers practical, financial and emotional assistance to farming people across England, Wales and Northern Ireland. Having been involved in farming since his school days, Mr Cooper is an ardent supporter of UK agriculture. His prominence has grown since appearing in Clarkson's Farm on Prime Video. He recently launched a bursary to spark interest and provide opportunities for young people in agriculture demonstrating his dedication to the sector. He said, Never did I think I'd be saying these words that I'm releasing a record. When you listen to it, you'll realise why I didn't ever think it was possible. My singing voice isn't a match for my farming skills by any stretch. I had a lot of fun recording it and I hope that people like it, but there is also a serious side to it. He added, As a community, farmers are only too aware of how pressurised the industry has become. The farming way of life can feel lonely at times. I wanted to make sure that if people are struggling, they have somewhere to reach out to. The RABI offers incredible support to the farming community in a range of different ways. And this felt like the perfect solution to get that message out. Make the helpline number part of the lyrics. All profits will go towards helping fund the valuable work they do, so please download the single now and help contribute. The single was actually released on January the 18th and will is available on all platforms. Coinciding with Mr Cooper's UK-wide theatre tour, starting tonight, that's Thursday night, at the Cheltenham Everyman Theatre, he will perform the single live at various venues. An exclusive preview of the music video will also be part of the show.
1: Damning verdict on state of the county's roads. Oxfordshire residents have condemned the state of the county's roads with resounding disapproval. Several described the conditions as appalling, with the roads being dubbed an absolute disgrace. Mark Curtis described Oxfordshire's roads as a thin ribbon of tarmac connecting holes. Residents were asked to describe the state of the county's roads to mark National Pothole Day, which took place on January the 15th. Numerous comments compared the amount of potholes on Oxfordshire's roads to other items known for their holes, with locals using analogies such as colanders, Swiss cheese and even more holes than a crumpet. One resident, Stacy Fraser, even went so far as to describe them as absolutely disgusting. Many pointed out how funding considerations affected road maintenance. Peter Carter suggested that funds meant for the upkeep of highways have been diverted into schemes such as bus gates, LTNs and unused cycle lanes. Others agreed, with Will Bayliss saying... I think they need to sort out their priorities. Susan Leake pointed out the difficulties faced by pedestrians, saying, Walking is difficult enough, but trying to keep a trolley, push a chair or wheelchair, going in a straight line, is difficult.
2: Um, The next story is headlined, Cocaine seizures fall in force area. Less powder cocaine was seized by Thames Valley Police in 2022-23 than the year before, new figures show. Across England and Wales, the amount of cocaine seized by police forces doubled last year. However, fewer seizures by the UK border force meant there was an overall fall in confiscated cocaine. Figures from the Home Office show 130 grams of powder cocaine was seized by Thames Valley Police in 81 operations in the year to March 2023. This was down slightly from a year earlier when 180 grams were seized. Police forces across England and Wales have seen powder cocaine seizures double as 3,360 kilograms were seized in the year to March up from 1,680 kilograms the year before. However, this was cancelled out by a drop in seizures by the UK border force of nearly 2,000 kilograms, with a total of 15,219 kilograms confiscated over the same period. As a result... There was a small drop in the amount of cocaine taken from criminals last year, despite being the second highest volume on record. National Police Chiefs Council Lead for Drugs, Chief Constable Richard Lewis, said the increase in seizures by police forces was a real positive. By taking more drugs out of circulation, we are stripping organised criminals of their assets and preventing them from investing the profits into further more dangerous and harmful crime, he said. Mr Lewis continued, cocaine is a highly addictive substance and vulnerable users can often find themselves caught up in a dangerous cycle of exploitation, which is why there is also ongoing work to prevent drug use and to highlight the dangers and empower our communities to report suspicious activity. The figures include other illegal substances seized by police forces. There were 641 drug seizures by Thames Valley Police last year, which was actually a fall from 679 the year before. These seizures included the confiscation of 810 cannabis plants, 1.3 kilograms of herbal cannabis and 40 grams of cannabis resin. The force also seized 920 grams of crack cocaine. Minister for Crime, Policing and Fire Chris Philp said We will not relent when it comes to disrupting criminal enterprises and locking up those involved in this soulless trade. Today's stats speak for themselves, sending a clear message to criminals that they will be caught. This government takes a zero-tolerance approach to both supply and possession of illegal drugs and I am grateful to the dedicated border force and police officers for protecting our communities from these dangerous substances.
3: And the theme continues, this article headed Drug Cash Trial. A trial into three people allegedly connected with a large-scale drug operation in West Oxfordshire continues at Oxford Crown Court. Mark Hickford, 51, and Liam Field, 26, are standing trial accused of being downstream customers of two brothers who last year were found guilty of sourcing kilos of cocaine into UK. Brothers Richard and Patrick Gray were jailed in the summer of 2022 after police swooped in on the gang in May, raiding properties in Oxford, Whitney, Banbury and Milton Keynes, seizing 2.5 kilos of high-purity cocaine and around £110,000 in cash. Richard Gray's former partner, Melissa Grant, 33, is also on trial, charged with possession of criminal property namely £44,315 in cash. The trial heard on Monday that different EncroChat and encrypted message software conversations that occurred between Richard Gray and his customers about drop-offs. A 12-strong jury were taken through the messages, which featured Gray's handle, Cheetah Soda, A trial in 2022 heard that the brothers sent couriers to Preston and Berry to pick up kilos of cocaine at a time. The court heard that Hickford did not use EncroChat, but multiple calls were discovered between him and Gray's unregistered phone number. Hickman of Hartford Road in Edmonton, sorry, in Edmonton Field of Swindon, and Grant of Barley Court Whitney all deny their involvement.
4: Man 35 is found guilty of torching ex-girlfriend's car. A a sentencing date has been set for a stalker who set his ex-girlfriend's car on fire in West Oxfordshire. Gary Smith of Cotswold Crescent, Chipping Norton, was found guilty by a jury after a trial at Oxford Crown Court this week. The 35-year-old denied setting fire to an Audi A1 in Chipping Norton on August the 27th, 2021. He was also found guilty of stalking and had previously be pleaded guilty to criminal damage. During the trial, the jury heard from Smith's ex-partner, Sally Dodman Edwards, whom he met on a dating app in April 2021. She described Smith's behaviour as having a massive impact on her well-being. I did not feel secure in my own home she said I was worried for my children particularly my daughter I sent her and my dog away because I didn't want them in didn't want them in the house in case anything happened the effect it's had on me and my family I wouldn't want anyone else to go through a voicemail was also played by the jury played to the jury which was left on miss Dodman Edwards phone from smith He could be heard saying, stop with the, and then there's B word with lots of asterisks, there are very serious allegations. Smith is now due back in the same court on March 15th for sentencing. He has been remanded into custody during this time.
0: Well, thanks very much, Mick. And uh, that's the end of part one, and now it's time for the editor's piece. You may know that tonight is especially important if you have Scottish blood. For January the 25th is Burns Night. Robert Burns is, as you will know, Scotland's national poet. And for many people, both north and south of the border, it'll be an opportunity to enjoy a meal of haggis, neeps and tatties, washed down with a wee dram, or maybe two. If you're not sure of what neeps and tatties are, it's a hearty dish of potatoes and swedes. For turnips. Robert Burns was born in Ayrshire in 1759, and the house where he was born is now the Robert Burns Birthplace Museum. He died at the young age, even for those days, of just thirty-seven, possibly due to a long standing heart condition. His poetry was written in an approachable version of Scots, making his poems popular throughout Britain. He is regarded as a pioneer of the Romantic movement and after his death he became a great source of inspiration to the founders of both liberalism and socialism. He was a great fan of the French Revolution with its bywords of liberty, equality and fraternity and he had a lifelong distrust of authority. There's an excellent portrait of him in the Scottish National Portrait Gallery which shows him to be extremely handsome. The writer Walter Scott wrote that his eyes indicated the poetical character and temperament, they were large and of a dark cast, and literally glowed when he spoke with feeling or interest. As you might expect of a handsome romantic poet, he had a lively, not to say legendary, love life. His first child, Elizabeth Bess Burns, was born to his mother's servant, Elizabeth Patton, in 1785, But at the same time as he was wooing Elizabeth, he was also chasing Gina Moore, known locally as the Belle of Mokhleen, who bore him twins in 1786 and, in consequence, was banished from the family home by her parents. In the very same year before these children were born, and possibly even before Robert knew Jean was expecting his children, Robert became involved in yet another romantic entanglement, this time with Mary Campbell. It seems that he was deeply in love with Mary, but they were never to have a future together. While nursing her brother, who had contracted typhus, Mary caught the disease herself and died in the same year that Gina Moore gave birth to Robert's children. Eventually, Jean's family relented, and she and Robert married in 1788. She inspired many of his poems and bore him nine children in all the last of whom was born on the day of Robert's funeral, on July, in July 1796. All in all, romantic Robert had 12 children by four different mothers, including Jean and Elizabeth. Five of the children survived to adulthood, a common survival rate in the 1790s. Through these five surviving children, apparently Robert Burns had over 900 living descendants, as of 2019. As it's Burns Night, here is one of his lesser-known short poems, almost certainly written to poor, banished Gina Moore when Burns was planning to risk an Atlantic crossing to emigrate, or possibly just run away, to Jamaica, which he never actually did. It's in English rather than Scots. My accent simply isn't up to a Scottish one. It's called Lines to an Old Sweetheart. Once fondly loved, and still remembered dear, sweet early object of my youthful vows, accept this mark of friendship, warm, sincere, friendship, tis all cold duty now allows. And while you read these simple, artless rhymes, one friendly sigh for him, he asks no more, who, distant, burns in flaming torrid climes, or haply lies beneath the Atlantic roar. Now it's time for part two, and we begin with news of the following deaths, which were reported in the Whitney Gazette last week. We're very sorry to announce the following names and the dates of the death or the funeral and offer our condolences to friends and families. Jennifer Mary Armstrong, there's no mention of the date, but her funeral is on Thursday, today, the 25th of January. It was at 2.45 this afternoon. Sandra Bayliss on the 18th of November 2023. Ruth Janice Brown, the 7th of January 2024. Maurice Dennis, again no mention of the date, but the funeral is on Tuesday the 30th of January at 11 a.m. Harry Mike Hawkins on the 16th of January. Professor David Hawkins on the 17th of January. Robert Wilson Marshall on the 3rd of January, Mary Elizabeth Perry on the 30th of December 2023, Rosemary Bradley, Nay Wilkes, on the 8th of January 2024, Robert Stephen Rhodes, 6th of January, Frank Schofield, 2nd of January, Maureen and Smith, 12th of January, Wendy Smith, 17th of January, John Sohm, the 3rd of January, Colin Thurtle, 10th of January, Dennis Edward Warner, 2nd of January, and finally, Jean White, 16th of January. We also are particularly sad to announce the death of one of our listeners, Mr. Keith Salmon, who died two weeks ago and we've been informed about his death by his daughter, Steph. Now let's go on to our regular quiz, and first the questions and answers from the last edition. Good luck to you and to all our readers. Question number one. Who wrote the book Chitty Chitty Bang Bang, The Magical Car? Alan's not allowed to answer. It was indeed Ian Fleming. Yes, it should have been chitty-chitty Aston Martin DB5, really, shouldn't it, for those who watch James Bond. In which part of your body would you find the cruciate ligament? And I hope I've pronounced that correctly.
4: The knee.
0: It is indeed the knee. You look as though you're speaking from personal experience, Mick. My grandson's
4: just torn and ruptured
0: his ACL. Oh. Yeah. Uh. <laughs> Number three, what is the name of the 1976 film about the Watergate scandal starring Robert Redford and Dustin Hoffman? All the President's Men. men. Which tennis grand slam is played on a clay surface?
1: French.
0: It is indeed the French Open.
2: I'm not allowed to answer. I set the question.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Yes, Alan is specifically excluded from answering any of the questions, so there's only one more anyway. Um, For those of a certain generation, including my own, what was the old name for a Snickers bar before it changed in 1990? A marathon, yes, a marathon bar. And now for this week's quiz, which, of course, is all about Robert Burns. Some of them are easy, some of them not so much. Number one. What is the name of the Burns poem that is sung around the world every New Year's Eve? Number two, which U.S. city has a life-sized replica of the cottage where Burns was born? In 2009, this is question number three, Robert Burns became the first person in the world to appear on the front of which famous drinks brand? Was it Pepsi Coca-Cola, or Iron Brew? Number four, which country is home to the oldest Robert Burns statue in the world? Is it Scotland, Australia, or America? And question number five, what or who is Robert Burns talking to in this line of his poetry? We sleekit cowering timorous beastie, oh, what a panics in thy breastie. And I apologise for the pronunciation if you are of Scottish heritage. Now, let's go back to our news. And, first of all, how walking like a penguin is the best plan for those icy pavements. Bridget, over to you.
1: Penguin endorses NHS advice on walking on ice. The most popular penguin in the world has endorsed the NHS's advice for Britons to waddle like penguins to manage the icy conditions currently sweeping across the country. Spike, a resident of Birdland Park and Gardens in the Cotswolds, has weighed in on the controversy following a government statement which said penguins know best when it comes to getting around on ice. Spike said, As one of the few flightless birds in the world... We have mastered the art of walking in icy conditions. Humans should take note. As the NHS advice suggests, spread your legs a little, bend your knees slightly and stick out your arms for better balance. You'll be walking like us penguins in no time. The guide was issued by the NHS in Glasgow last week as sub-zero temperatures hit the UK, with some areas experiencing their coldest January night for 14 years. Spike, a king penguin, boasts thousands of Facebook followers and has starred alongside Sir David Attenborough as part of the Natural Curiosity series. He won the title of world's most popular flightless bird in April last year, beating an African penguin called Mai, from the Hyatt Regency Mao Resort and Spa in Hawaii, to the honour. The competition was organised by Penguins International, a non-profit organisation committed to preserving and protecting penguins throughout the world. Global warming is threatening many penguin habitats around the world, but there are numerous organisations working to help the animals continue to prosper in the world. Birdland in Wharton on the Water will celebrate Penguin Awareness Day, which takes place on January the 20th, with a live question I beg your pardon. Will celebrate Penguin Awareness Day, which takes place on January the 20th, with a live penguin question and answer session on Facebook at 12:45 p.m. and an afternoon penguin feeding stream via Birdland's Penguin camera at 2.30pm. Alistair Keane, head keeper at the park, which houses more than 500 birds, said, Our penguins are often the stars of the show with our visitors. They're wonderfully characterful creatures, but they are also extremely resourceful and adaptable too. So I would echo the NHS advice. Whilst it is a bit slippery and icy underfoot, Waddle like a penguin to embrace the chilly seasonal conditions. Recently, scientists from Britain and America studied Birdland's penguins to understand the mechanics of their walk, aiming to gather data for robotics research. Birdland opens daily from 10am. For more information or to book a visit, go to their website or contact them at 01451 And I can imagine you all having a little practice, spreading your legs a little, bending your knees slightly, and sticking out your arms for better balance. The picture is really quite entertaining.
2: Um, I've got another animal story. This one's headlined, Abandoned Horse was nursed back to health. A young horse, which was discovered abandoned and with her coat badly matted, has been nursed back to full health in Burford. The filly, who, had, who has been called Willow, was just one year old when she was removed from a common in South Wales by the RSPCA after concerns were raised for her welfare. Little is known about her past, but it was clear she had had little or no experience of human contact, before being rescued. She was initially transferred to the RSPCA's Equine Centre in Dorrington, and once settled, she was, she was moved into a centre for further rehabilitation. And then she was transferred into the care of the Blue Cross at Burford, where she needed intensive work to help her to get used to humans and being handled. Gradually she started to overcome her fears and after 6 months of rehabilitation and training was brought back to health and sent to one of the charity's own foster homes. So she has now been looked after by the Blue Cross for more than 260 days and they are now looking for somebody to take her permanently. Lauren Bush, rehoming coordinator at Blue Cross in Burford said when she first arrived in our care, she was matted and wouldn't come anywhere near us. It took us a few months to work with her to build her confidence in humans. But as she started to relax, we saw her personality starting to shine through. She started to enjoy being groomed and would be happy to approach us and love some back scratching. Now she can be caught normally and leads well for her age. She will happily stand for a groom and have her feet picked out, and can see the vet and the farrier. The team are initially looking for a home for Willow as a non-ridden companion due to her young age and her training needs. Christine McNeil, RSPCA Inspectorate National Equine, said, We're very grateful for the Blue Cross for their ongoing work in rehabilitating Willow, And we're delighted to hear she is now ready to find her forever home. And the story is accompanied by two photographs, quite um, contrasting. First one was taken, obviously, when Willow was uh, first um, captured, I suppose, on the South Wales common land. Uh, And she looks very scruffy indeed and very skinny. Um, The second picture much um i don't i I don't know too much about horses but i'd say it's a pretty horse if you like Uh, and has obviously put on a few pounds um and looks like uh, she's back to the best of health
3: more animal stories now with the museum picks bear essentials for new show teddy bears from residents across the county are at the heart of an exhibition at oxfordshire museum The display at the Woodstock Museum showcases more than 20 teddy bears and forms part of a larger exhibition titled Archie and the Poet. This exhibition focuses on poet laureate John Betjeman and his lifelong teddy bear companion Archibald Ormsby Gore, affectionately known as Archie, aged 114. It will delve into how former Uffington resident, Mr. Betjeman, utilised Archie as an alter-ego and showcases an array of original material and audiovisual content. The archaeology of Archie and his unique story of repairs and changes are also discussed within the exhibition. Councillor Neil Fawcett, Oxfordshire County Council's Cabinet Member for Community and Corporate Services, said... In celebration of the Archie and the Poet exhibition on loan from Tom Brown's School Museum in Uffington, we thought it would be a lovely opportunity for residents to tell stories of their own teddy bears.
4: And this is news about um, a village pub. And the headline is, refurbished pub returns to old name after facelift. The owners of a village pub have revealed the results of a minor refurbishment as well as a new name. The 18th century Three Horseshoes in Astor near Burford earned its name in the 1900s as the Farrier Innkeepers replaced horseshoes for travellers passing through the village. But in 1977 it was renamed the Maytime, which uh, local knowledge, it was named after May and Tim who were then the landlords and landlady. Today, the pub, now owned by Dalesford, the high-end organic farm and shop in Kingham, has returned to its roots, becoming the Three Horseshoes again in a nod to its history. Following a, quote, light, unquote, refurbishment, the pub, which has six bedrooms, a large garden, with an outdoor bar on the banks of the River Windrush, is back in business. The bedrooms have been redecorated in natural tones and materials. There are king or super king-sized beds, premium bed linen, walk-in showers and Bamford bath products. Downstairs, the room names reflect the pub's history, with design details suggesting a blacksmith's forge. The pub will serve a menu of seasonally changing dishes made with local produce from Dalesford Organic, craft beers and ciders and a wine and cocktail list. In the winter, there is a fire pit in the garden with sheepskin blankets for customers.
1: Actor shares stories from stage and screen. Oscar-winning Jeremy Irons entertained a packed village hall with tales from the sets of his films. The actor, a long-term resident of Watlington, kept the audience enthralled for 90 minutes while highlights from his career were shown, including Brideshead Revisited and The French Lieutenant's Woman. Mr Irons who had star billing for the 130th evening of Wooden Talks, held in the village near Woodstock, chatted about making The Mission in the jungle of South America with Robert De Niro. He also spoke about how George Martin, the Beatles producer, had taught him to play a vintage oboe in a scene with hostile tribesmen. Mr Irons who starred in The House of Gucci with Lady Gaga, gave an insight into the approach of director Sir Ridley Scott, who helmed the Napoleon filming at Park Palace. The evening made nearly £1,000 for Wooten Talks project to raise funds for the Ukraine Humanitarian Appeal.
2: And the next story is headlined, Village School is Best for Maths and Literacy. New data has revealed the Oxfordshire primary schools with the highest reading, writing and math scores for for the year 2022-23. The National Association of Head Teachers said government investment was was needed to help pupils recover from the pandemic. As figures show, the proportion of students meeting the expected mark was well below pre-pandemic levels pupils scoring at least a scaled score of 100 out of 120 would have met the expected standard in the test. Chadlington Primary School led the way with 100% of eligible students achieving the expected standard in reading, writing and maths in Key key Stage 2 in the 2022-23 school year. It also topped the county list for the best-performing school for SATS exams Taken last summer. For the latest figures, the Chadlington School was followed by Buckland Primary School in Buckland, where 93% of pupils met the standard. In third place was Ship Lake School near Henley, where 92% of pupils met the standard. Sunningwell Primary School and Hayley Primary School, both near Whitney, had 91% and 88% scores respectively. However, the School Leaders Union, the NAHT, said ranking schools was simplistic and did not consider the context of the particular cohort or the community the school served. General Secretary Paul Whiteman said no piece of data can provide an accurate picture of the effectiveness of
3: schools. Fun Run returns to aid City Children's Hospital. Support young patients at Oxford Children's Hospital by signing up for a five-mile run in March. The OX5 run at Blenheim Palace has been raising funds to improve the lives of children at the hospital for the last 20 years. The run will take place on March 24th and already has 250 participants. Phil Rose... A fun Run Regular has taken part in the run since 2013 when his daughter Maisie was diagnosed with a rare childhood cancer called neuroblastoma at the age of two. He said, Maisie had incredible care on Cameron's ward at the children's hospital and we will forever be grateful. That's why this event is so important to us. The effects of the cancer mean that she continues to have regular treatment and recently had surgery on her legs. She amazes me every day with her courage and good humour and this run reminds us how lucky we are despite everything she has been through. Lucy Walker, Senior Events Manager at Oxford Hospitals Charity, said the run raised £100,000 last year to help local children at the hospital. She said... It means so much to us when families who have first-hand experience of our children's hospital sign up for this very special event. But anyone can take part, and we'd love to see the whole Oxfordshire community really getting behind the event once again. The event helps transform our hospitals for younger patients, and we are incredibly grateful to all the families, friends, hospital staff, and local businesses who take part each year.
4: Motorists, beware. There's a headline that says new 20 mile an hour speed limits are recommended for approval. New 20 mile an hour speed limits are recommended for approval despite widespread objections. Oxfordshire County Council's cabinet member for transport management, Andrew Gant, will make a decision regarding the suggestions at a meeting on Thursday next week. The limits are planned for Sutton-Courtney and Radley, near Abingdon, Woodstock and Banbury. Strong reservations to the proposals have been expressed by some residents in Banbury through a consultation with 427 of 649 respondents objecting. Increased congestion is the main cause of concern, followed by a view that limits are unnecessary. The 653 responses received equate to 1.5% of the population of Banbury. Criticism was less frequent in the other areas, with 8 out of 14 respondents objecting to the policy in Sutton-Courtney. There were also 41 out of 219 objections in Woodstock, 2 out of 5 in Radley, and 43% of people voiced concern across the Grimsbury and Nethercote areas of Banbury. A spokesman for Thames Valley Police said there should be no expectation that the police would be able to provide regular enforcement if a speed limit is set too low. The County Council's speed limit programme aims to roll out 20 mile an hour in areas as a replacement for 30 mile an hour areas where there is local support It cites research which suggests individuals are seven times more likely to to survive if they are hit by a car driving at 20 miles an hour than if they are hit at 30 miles an hour.
0: So now it's time for our notice board. There's not a lot on over the next few days, but there are a couple of concerts which may be of interest, and we've got time for a quick sports update. On Saturday the 27th, there is the St. Giles Orchestra Concert. They're playing Tchaikovsky and Rimsky-Korsakov. That's at St. Andrew's Church in Linton Road, Oxford, at 7.30 in the evening. Tickets £11. Call 07939 558817. On Sunday at 3.30 in the afternoon, there is the Wheatley Singers Charity Concert. The programme includes Bolton's Crown Imperial and Handel Coronation Anthems. All proceeds in aid of dementia research. That's at St. Mary the Virgin Church, Church Road, Great Milton, Oxfordshire. Telephone O seven double eight five O five nine six double three. As for football, last week was something of a non event as frozen pitches caused problems for a number of games. Oxford United's Sky Bet League One clash at home to Northampton Town was postponed following a pitch inspection. Oxford City's fixture at Woking was called off, and Banbury United's game was postponed, as was Didcot Town's visit to Hayes and Yeading United. Hopefully, this Saturday's Oxford United match against Bristol Rovers We'll go ahead as planned. Kickoff is at 3 p.m. So that's it for this week. If you're not listening online and have a USB memory stick, please remove the stick from the playback unit and close the metal shield. Remember to reverse the plastic address label on the pouch before posting the stick. Back to us. If you wish to contact us, just leave a slip of paper in your pouch and we will telephone you. As well as listening to the USB stick some of you receive from us each week, there are several other ways for you to listen to all our editions, including the magazines. Whitney Talking News is available online via our new and easier-to-use website, https wtn.org.uk. Please remember to pass on the details to anyone who might like to listen to your weekly local news programme. And please keep listening at the end of our programme for an info item which gives some highlights of this week's best radio listening and audio-described TV. Finally, a big thanks tonight for our readers, Bridget Walton, Jenny Wiley, Mick Walsh and Alan Revel. Thanks to our support team, to Peter who has recorded this session on our computer, to Jenny who will be helping me copy the USB sticks later, and to our volunteers, Marnie Leach and Anne Trelaw, who have been checking the pouches and memory sticks you have returned and keeping all our records in the register. I know everyone would like to say goodbye, and so until our next edition, Goodbye! Goodbye.
5: Soundings
3: Features from across the UK
6: Now for a look at some of this coming weeks Radio highlights starting with Saturday January 27th And Robert Burns' narrative poem Tamashanta The story of a wild ride through a stormy Scottish night Where witches and warlocks are at play Is reimagined and performed by Gary McNair It's introduced in opening lines at 2.45 on Radio 4 on Saturday afternoon followed by the performance itself at three o'clock. In Alger and Blackwood, The Empty Sleeve, a virtuoso violinist's desire for a rare instrument has dire consequences. Ready for extra at four p.m. The series Political Thinking with Nick Robinson features a joint interview with Tony Blair and William Hague in which they discuss the background to their political thoughts on radio four at five thirty. While well, lastly for Saturday, Mozart's Don Giovanni is the opera on Radio 3 at 6.30pm. Sunday, January 28th, and the castaway in Desert Island Discs is the actor Jamie Dornan on Radio 4 at 11.15. There's another chance to hear the first episodes of Dombey and Son by Charles Dickens on Radio 4 Extra. It's on at 12.50 at lunchtime, or 6.50 in the evening, and the 20-part drama continues right throughout the week. Back to Sunday, and the second series of The Medici, a drama of the 16th century Florentine family of bankers, begins with the story of Alessandro de Medici on Radio 4 at 3 o'clock. Mog, Meg and Me is the story of the life and work of Jan Piarski the illustrator of the much-loved Meg and Mog children's books on Radio 4 at 4.30 on Sunday afternoon. While in Brig Flats, a northern poetic odyssey Rory Stewart walks across Cumbria and Northumbria to a medieval tower on Newcastle's town wall in search of clues to the life of poet Basil Bunting in an attempt to understand his poem, Brig a neglected modernist masterpiece. Radio 3 for this at 6.45. While in Under Milk Woods, five Welsh writers have written short drama portraits set in their area of Wales to mark the 70th anniversary of the first radio broadcast of Dylan Thomas's Under Milk Wood. It's on Radio 3 at 7.30 Sunday evening. On to programmes then and the broadcast at the same time, every day, all week, Monday to Friday. Same time, same radio station, each day. Book of the week, Food for Life, Tim Spector's Guide to Eating Well. It's on Radio 4 at a quarter to ten, 9.45 AM every morning. Agatha Christie's murder on the Orient Express is dramatised on Radio 4 Extra at 11 in the morning, or 4pm, Monday to Friday. Composer of the week, on Radio 3, Igor Skovinsky, 12 noon, every day. The dramatisation of Charles Dickens' Dombey and Some continues on Radio 4 Extra, this time at 12.15, or 5.15, all week, Monday to Friday. Ian Hislop's oldest jokes, looking at the history of comedy, continues on Radio 4, at one45 every afternoon. In the essay, A Circumnavigation of the British Isles in Five Traditional Boats, five writers, each involved with their own craft, travel around the British Isles in traditional boats without leaving home. Radio Times comments that you won't hear anything more evocative all year. It's on Radio 3, every night this week at 10.45pm. While at the same time on Radio 4... Book at Bedtime, The Song of Achilles, Madeline Miller's reimagining of Homer's Iliad, read by Tom Hollander. It's on Radio 4 at 10.45, Monday to Friday, this week and next. Let's rewind then to Monday, January 29th and the individual programmes to listen to throughout the week. Tales of the Arabian Nights concludes on Monday and Tuesday this week with the final two stories. At 11.30 in the morning or 4.30 in the afternoon on Radio 4 Extra. Back to Monday afternoon, and Paul Gammaccini hosts the music quiz Counterpoint on Radio 4 at 3. Beyond Belief asks the question, what should we teach in RE? Looking at the difficulties of teaching religious education in schools, with the lack of experienced teachers, to the differences of opinion on what children should be learning about. Radio 4 for this, Beyond Belief, 4.30pm. Sue Perkins presents the ever-popular comedy panel show, Just a Minute, on Radio 4, at 6.30 on Monday. While The Rise of Sinn Féin looks at the growth of the party across Ireland over the past 30 years, explores how it's achieved it, and examines the party's current aims and policies. Radio 4, for The Rise of Sinn Féin, 8pm, Monday. Tuesday, January 30th, in the miners' strike, Return Journey, Chris Jackson, who reported on the miners' strike of 1984 and 85, returns to meet people from different sides to hear their personal stories. The first of five episodes, Radio 4, Tuesday morning, 9.30. In the series Wild Inside, the subject is the aphid. Ben Garrod and Jess French use delicate dissecting tools and a state-of-the-art microscope to delve inside this tiny herbivorous insect and unravel its extraordinary success as a plant pest. Radio 4. 11am on Tuesday. Episode of the quiz show, quote unquote, is on Radio 4 Extra at 2 in the afternoon or 7pm. Exodus to Shanghai is a drama documentary telling the story of five young people who evaded the Nazis by escaping to the only safe haven open to them, Shanghai. Adaptations of eyewitness accounts are read by Anton Lesser and Harry Goodman. Radio 4, 2.15, Tuesday afternoon. While Peter White presents In Touch, his programme of news features fuller blind or partially sighted listeners. Radio 4, every Tuesday evening, 8.40. Wednesday, January 31st, and the last day of the month, Lady Killers, with Lucy Worsley, looks at the case of 25-year-old Frances Kidder unhappily married to a much older man who's accused of murdering her stepdaughter, Louisa, in 1867. Radio 4, Wednesday morning, 11.30. Dr. Finlay, Adventures of a Black Bag presents a dramatisation of one of A.J. Cronin's short stories on Radio 4 Extra at 11.30 or 4.30 in the afternoon. And there are more stories at the same time, Thursday and Friday this week. Back to Wednesday, though, and The Golden Age is a radio sitcom set in Broadcasting House at the BBC during the 1930s. Radio 4 Extra for this at half past twelve in the afternoon or 5.30 on Radio 4 Extra. Choral Evensong on Wednesday comes from Leeds Cathedral on Radio 3 at 4. Humperdinck's opera Hansel and Gretel is on Radio 3 at 7.30pm. One of the series Free Thinking, former Archbishop of Canterbury, Rowan Williams, is one of the guests in a discussion about religious belief and ritual. Radio 3, 10pm, Wednesday. Thursday, February 1st. In McLevy, Brian Cox stars in David Ashton's detective tale, Behind the Curtain, set in 1860, when a leading lady of the stage receives a death threat. Radio 4 Extra, 10 in the morning, or 3 in the afternoon. From our correspondent, is presented by, as usual by Kate Aidy on Radio 4, on Thursday morning at 11. Jamie's Italian examines the fortunes of Jamie Oliver's Italian restaurant chain, reflecting on what made the restaurant so special and led to their demise. Radio 4, 12.30. In Open Country, nature writer Simon Barnes joins Bernard Bishop as he cuts the golden reeds of Norfolk's Cly Marshes Nature Reserve to be used for traditional thatching, as he's done for 65 years. Radio 4 for Open Country, 3 o'clock Thursday afternoon. While in the series The Bottom Line, the subject is meat. UK consumers are eating less meat than at any point since records began 50 years ago. Evan Davis and guests discuss how challenging it is to be in the meat business right now. Radio 4, the bottom line, 8.30, Thursday evening. Finally Friday, February 2nd, and Wood for Good is the week's programme in the series Rare Earth. From the emotional balm of a walk in the woods to the first wooden skyscrapers, the programme explores the suggestion that wood is the key to healthier people and a cooler planet. Will the wood age be healthier for society at large and the planet too? Radio 4 for Wood for Good, just after midday news. Prudella Scales on Friday stars in a radio adaptation of the TV sitcom Marriage Lines. Radio 4 Extra at 1 in the afternoon or 6pm Friday evening. In the series Child Every Heartbeat looks at ultrasound scans, an amazing window into a previously utterly mysterious world. Having one can bring a whirlwind of emotions, but they also provide a lot of important information for midwives, doctors and parents. Radio 4, Child, Every Heartbeat, 2.45, Friday afternoon. The topical comedy panel show, the news quiz is on Radio 4 at 6.30 Friday evening. Well, the panellists in the political forum, any questions include the Shadow Culture Secretary, Thangam Debonair, MP, former Conservative Minister Anne Whittacombe, and the Liberal Democrat Education Spokesperson, Manura Wilson MP. Radio 4, any questions? 8 o'clock Friday night. That's it. Thank you to Wendy for the highlights this week. May I wish you a peaceful, safe and enjoyable one of radio listening.
5: Hello, this is Helen from Wharfdale Talking News with Val's selection of audio described TV programmes starting Saturday the 27th of January to Friday the 2nd of February 2024. We start with Saturday, the twenty seventh of January. Twelve puppies and us: the stories of puppies and their owners, including Border Collie Meg, is on BBC Two at ten thirty a.m. John Tarode and Lisa Faulkner sample cooked breakfasts at a cafe in Western Australia in John and Lisa's food trip down under on ITV One at eleven forty a.m. A hated property developer is beheaded at a fun fair in the first episode of A double Bill of Midsummer Murders, starting at 2pm this afternoon. Find out who will conquer the Travelator and win a quarterfinal spot in Gladiators at 5.50pm on BBC One. When a giant asteroid threatens Earth's survival, NASA hatches a plan to drill into the rock and plant a nuclear device that will blow it apart. The sci-fi action-adventure film Armageddon is on Channel 4 at 6.50pm. James May charts the history of model railway makers Hornby in this two-part documentary and meets the men who are sweating to save the company. James May's Big Trouble in Model Britain is on BBC4 at 7pm. On her first day back at Holby, Faith struggles with the new restrictions, the hospital drama casualty is on BBC One at 9:20 p.m. Now on to Sunday, the 28th of January. Sunday with Laura Coonsberg, featuring interviews with politicians and key public figures, is on BBC One at 9 a.m. Pam Rhodes marks International Holocaust Memorial Day in Songs of Praise on BBC One at 1:15 p.m. The remaining potters make farm animal busts in the Great Pottery Throwdown on Channel 4 at 7.45pm. Trixie makes a serious mistake at work and the team tries to help a family from West Africa in tonight's episode of Call the Midwife at 8pm on BBC One. Several choices at 9 tonight. Car chases, bomb threats, standoffs at gunpoint and shocking revelations are all in the final episode of the Sunday night thriller The Tourist on BBC One at 9. Simon Reeve embarks on a journey at the foot of South America, beginning at the South Patagonian Icefield in the second episode of the documentary Wilderness with Simon Reeve on BBC Two at 9pm. After six months overseas training Ukrainians to deal with bombs, Explosives officer Lana Washington is back, but will it be with a bang? A new series of the drama Trigger Point starts tonight on ITV1 at 9pm. George continues his odyssey in California, where he admires a skyscraper built on its side in the desert. George Clark's Adventures in Americana is on Channel 4 at 9. Here are the programmes which are on at the same time throughout the week. Homes Under the Hammer is at 11.15, Bargain Hunt is at 12.15, Doctors is at 1.45 but not on a Friday and Escape to the Country is at 3.00pm. All these programmes are on BBC One. Dickinson's Real Deal is on ITV One at 2.00pm Monday to Friday, David and Jay's Touring Toolshed is on BBC Two at 6.30pm Monday to Thursday, Heartbeat is on ITV Three at 6.55 Monday to Friday. And Planet Earth 2 is on BBC4 at 7pm, Monday to Thursday. Let's see what's on offer for Monday, the 29th of January. More contestants sit in the black chair in Mastermind at 7:30pm, and two more teams battle it out in University Challenge at 8:30pm, both on BBC2. A couple who think they eat healthily are concerned about their weight and heart health. Can Michael shed any light when he examines their shopping trolley? Michael Mosley, Secrets of Your Big Shop, is on Channel 4 at 8pm. The team from the Lille Centre is called in to investigate when the body of a woman is found in a flat after being dead for a year. Silent Witness is on BBC One at 9pm. Part 2 is at the same time tomorrow. A two-part documentary starts tonight with the inside story on the 12-month period that followed Russia's invasion of Ukraine. Top-level bigwigs recall how events unfolded at the start of the Ukraine war almost two years ago. Putin vs the West at War is on BBC2 at 9pm. We have another new documentary series following the work of Avon and Somerset's Police, Professional Standards Department, over a period of four years, which examines a system designed to bring corrupt officers to justice to catch a copper is on channel 4 at 9 p.m. moving on to tuesday the 30th of january kelly joe has a big day when she presents her work to the school while trying to work out who she is in tonight's episode of the drama waterloo road on bbc1 at 8 p.m. part 2 of silent witness is on bbc1 at 9 p.m. David Mitchell challenges six fellow comedians to spend a week living outdoors, where daily tasks are designed to instil an array of valuable life skills. David Mitchell's Outsiders is on BBC Two at 9pm. In the first of a new three-part documentary series, we have the tawdry story of how a social media influencer and her mother murdered two men in a car chase. TikTok, murders gone viral, is on ITV One at 9pm. On to Wednesday, the 31st of January. Two Olympic medals and a musical jewelry box are among the items brought in for the experts to work their magic on in the repair shop at 8 pm on BBC One. A parcel bomb claims the life of an eminent mathematician in the crime drama Lewis at 8 pm on ITV Three. Joe makes an important breakthrough as suspicion begins to build around Tasha in the drama. After the flood at 9 pm on ITV1. Still searching for vehicles to add to his fleet, Johnny sources a rusty old boat and asks restorer Jim to renovate it. Johnny Vegas, Carry On Glamping, is on Channel 4 at 9 pm. Now for Thursday, the 1st of February. A cat-loving inventor who thinks he's found a pain-free way to keep feline teeth clean is just one of this week's entrepreneurs seeking investment in Dragon's Den on BBC One at 8pm. Nosley Safari's dominant mild bison is causing chaos and keepers wonder whether a change of scenery could improve his destructive behaviour. Secret Life of the Safari Park is on Channel 4 at 8pm. The hunt is on for Lord Shiger's next business partner in a new series of The Apprentice at 9 p.m. on BBC One. Geordie investigates when a resident is found dead at Leonard's halfway house in the drama Granchester on ITV One at 9 p.m. The confrontation at a South Yorkshire coking plant on the 18th of June 1984. That became known as the Battle of the Orgreave is the focus of tonight's episode of the documentary series Miner Strike 1984: The Battle for Britain on Channel Four at 9 p.m. Finally, we come to Friday the second of February. Hercule Flambeau teams up with his estranged father, who has an ambitious and dangerous mission in mind, in today's episode of Father Brown on BBC One at 1:45 p.m. Paul resurrects his dad's old boat to bring the family together and cheer up daughter Amy in a new series of the family sitcom Here We Go on BBC One at 8pm. In tonight's coastal special, a Kent couple have plundered their wedding fund to transform their bungalow into a Miami-style beach house. Extraordinary Extensions is on Channel 4 at 8pm. The duo split the work as they set about renovating the bathrooms in Amanda and Alan's Italian job on BBC One at 8.30pm. CIA analyst Jack Ryan sets out to stop a terrorist attack in a political action thriller film based on a Tom Clancy novel. The Sum of All Fears is on Film 4 at 9pm. Although not audio described, An evening of programmes celebrating the work of Carole King, one of the most successful female singer-songwriters of all time, is on BBC Four tonight, starting at 9pm with Carole King and her songs at the BBC. I hope you find something to enjoy from this week's selection of programmes.
1: Tnf Soundings